Go. Beep. I know the beep. <laughs> All right. You want to start us off? Sure. Hello, my name is Zach. Hello, my name is Michael. And our voices sound very similar right now. They sound very similar. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Can Great. you guess? What? Oh, you said the name. I was going to say. Well, fine. But can you guess what podcast? I hope it's written on a title. <laughs> I'm going to write this one without the title. It'll be like, the podcast. The unnamed podcast. The unnamed podcast. People are like, oh, have you heard of the unnamed podcast? It's like, no, yeah, they only released one episode. It's crazy. No, because it's unnamed. <laughs> No, Strange. But welcome to the Derailed Podcast. Yeah, and I'll be back. Yeah, he's actually he's actually going. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, one thing we were talking about today. Um, well, because he has actually left the room. That's funny. Anyways, well, as far as the topic for today, what we we're going to be talking about was going to be um, being creative because there's a lot of people out there that like to consider themselves as being creative, and even more people. Oh, important, important. Okay. Won't tell you what it is, but yeah. <laughs> it was a necessary addition for the show. There you go. You won't know what it is until maybe one day, but... Yeah, Ryan actually had that yesterday. Oh, he did. Yeah. He had that's, the... That's what moved the it. The inconspicuous... Oh, gosh, what's the word? Inconspicuous, right? Yeah. Would be like kind yeah, of the... A... Yeah, the incomp... That wow. thing. So you anyways, just said it. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's weird. All right. But... <laughs> Anywho, I'm back. All right, so uh, what I was saying was the topic for today is going to be creativity, trying to be creative, because I consider myself a creative person. You consider yourself a creative person. Oh, and a lot of people out there consider themselves <laughs> to be creative. Now, creative doesn't necessarily mean that you create stuff for a living. It could just mean you're doing something for fun as a yeah. hobby. It could just mean that you like to think you could do it. Creative just means that you're somebody who likes to imagine more than the mm. world they see. Yeah, and that's another thing, too, is creative... A creative person doesn't always have to create something as well. Yeah. Sometimes a creative person can just be creative <clears throat> in the way that they act, speak, or in just simply the things that they do. Uh, you know, some of the most creative people I've met, like, they don't draw, they don't make movies, they don't write or anything, but they are just they just think very creatively. Whenever they're presented a problem, the Outside solutions the they box, think is very creative. Creative. Um, yeah, I guess that would be a, a creative, yeah. like, solution maker. Oh, yeah, and who would have guessed? The Derailed Podcast has a theme, uh, for this episode, at least. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> but, yeah, well, I think when it comes to creativeness, right, that, that's... Creativity. Yeah. Would probably be better. <laughs> <laughs> creativity. Uh, it's definitely... I don't want to say it's in, like, high demand, but... Like, it's something that a lot of people would consider to have. What I'm really referencing is how, like, everybody and their grandmother is a graphic designer. Or, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, I've worked with Photoshop. I've done things with Illustrator. I've heard of <laughs> After Effects. Yeah, I feel like I feel like everybody has, like, oh, what'd you do? Oh, I went to school for graphic design or this or that. Yeah, because I guess, I guess graphic design is a two-year degree. Is it? That's what I've heard. I, I mean, did. I'm sure that you could get, like, a master's in creative design, but I, I think the minimum you can actually do a two-year degree of it. By the way, before we get too in-depth into creativity, yeah, yeah. imagination. What, what is your creative outlet? Zach? Okay. I don't know. I don't know you. You like, don't wait, know whoa, me? Whoa. Hey, um, this is the Derailed Podcast. Are you supposed to be here? Am I railed or am I derailed? I don't know. I am the railing. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I am a rail. I don't know why that sounded so, I don't know why that hit my ears so wrong. <laughs> I am real. <laughs> I am real. But uh, I love lamp. I, <laughs> I am yeah, real. What's your what's your creative outlet, if you I, will? Okay, I'd like to consider myself diversified, but most of the time what I do Diversity, is it's I a good do, thing. Uh, I do writing. That's mostly what I try to do. So I try to do, you know, short stories, scripts and stuff, I guess yeah. screenplay, and then try to make movies. That's that's my fun stuff to do. <laughs> I enjoy writing. Now, depending on who you are or how good you are, or if you're a literary critic, you might think I'm horrible or not, but th the fact of the matter is, I enjoy it. And I also do find purpose in it. So yeah. that's something else. Yeah. What about you, Michael? Or were you going to keep talking about well, me? Well, I was going to talk about you because there's just a plethora to talk about you and not much to talk about me. What are you talking about? Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. Aww. That was not very creative, Michael, okay? okay You're just I'm being self-indulgently derogatory towards yourself, which is just the internet. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, no, Zach's actually really, really good at writing. And well, thank you. Was it the episode before this that we talked about D&D stories? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, that's one that I think the biggest draws for D&D &D for both of us 
is the creative outlet of it. Not to just like shamelessly advertise D&D and hey, wizards, if you are listening to this, we can shamelessly advertise. You know, the thing is, uh, advertisements <laughs> are real easy to do, especially if you already really like the product. Yeah, yeah. No, but just say it's like, so I can I can say that Zach is a really good writer, and I think he would be a great DM as well. Um, well thank you. Anyways, yeah, my creative outlet, I do more art. I'm, I'm more of an artsy, artsy what kind of What type of art, though? Uh, I do a lot of digital art, things mm-hmm. like that, a lot of 2D. Um, I'm like the other bazillion people that are a graphic <laughs> designer. Not, I don't do that professionally anymore, but I have done that professionally in the past. Uh, I didn't really care for it, actually. It was fun, but it's different. Well, it's different you were, than you were drawing Mr. Logo Man. I think. Yeah, I did advertisements well, and logos. It just well, the whole thing it, with advertisements and logos is that it has to be like so streamlined, approachable, but it has to yeah. stick in your mind. It's like it's a it's a hard hybrid to come up with something that's really simple, but <coughs> memorable. Yeah, you know, and I think one of the hardest things of doing graphic design was getting the jobs because the truth is the way I did it is, is I did it through companies. I didn't do it through freelance. Uh, That way I had a security of the job. But one thing that you'll see is that you'll go on like Fiverr or what's it, Upwork or there's there's a whole bunch of different sites. You go on, you can buy a a great logo really for like 15 bucks and that's it. But no one really wants to pay the actual price of a logo that's going to transcend as your business grows. Hmm. They just want the cool, flashy-looking logo that's not yeah. going to match their theme later on. That's like 15 bucks. whereas a normal logo is anywhere from like $500 to $1,000. Oh, yeah, because that expensive. has to represent your whole company, and usually it's very well-developed yeah. at that point. And so I just didn't really care for the, the whole competition side of that. And like on that, companies would then anchor their leverage of oh well this logo that you're offering me for five hundred dollars i can just get it on fiverr for 15 why should i go from you and i'm like mm-hmm. you know what go for fiverr i'm yeah. not gonna I'm not, i don't i don't compete for your business sir yeah <laughs> like, yeah it's like i'm not gonna like drop down money because yeah, like, it's like i do the job it's worth the amount it's yeah like, yeah you can't use my logo unless you're paying me for it right my quality doesn't go down because you can find another yeah. logo cheaper elsewhere now um but anyways I, nowadays, I just do illustrative art. I just make drawings for myself. I do um, a lot of digital painting, things like that. Right. I would say I'm I'm decent. I wouldn't say I'm like the best or a master at it. I'd just say I'm good enough to to portray my ideas and thoughts. Anyways, well, I mean, I've seen your stuff, and I think it's actually I think it's pretty amazing. Again, I don't I don't know what type of I guess job you can get from the type of graphic design you like to do. Nowadays, so, it would be a lot of like it would be game industry stuff. stuff. Oh yeah, a lot of game industry stuff. Which, to be honest, that I don't have the qualifications for. I did not go to. But school just for imagine it. if you go to all of a sudden, it's like, hey, we want you to design all of the uh, the concept art for the new I don't know Witcher game or yeah, something like that. Diablo what? Four coming out. Blizzard. <laughs> imagine <laughs> Blizzard contacts you and just goes like, look, okay, I know you didn't go to school for this and you really don't have the credentials, but we really like that one piece of art you put on Facebook. Can you do us a full, I don't know, a dungeon from yeah. in Diablo 4? It's like, <gasps> dude, I'd be like, I'd be like, Diablo, just pay for my lunch. <laughs> yeah, it's like, literally, dude, like, this is all I want. <laughs> like, nah, that, I think working, like, in that kind of environment would be a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm sure it's stressful, none the least, like, different Well, yeah, I mean, dear God, it, could you but... imagine people, like, because the thing is, when you're doing something fun, you're doing something creative for yourself, it's like, the only one you have to let down, to impress, or to disappoint is yourself. Yes. Or anyone you happen to get their opinion of. Which but again, leads you could, us yeah. into our first, I guess, really discussion Topic? about creativity is yeah. sharing your work. Yeah. That's probably one of the hardest things to do is share your work, especially if your work is a written work, I think. I think well, visual works are easier to share than uh, written works just because <clears> a written well, work is a lot more thoughtful. Well, I think, yeah, well, I mean, I, I can I can agree with you on that just be, just with the one, like an instance of like an image. Okay, so somebody takes the time, you sit there and you paint a gorgeous like setting. It's, oh, it's a setting sun and there happens, you see like the yeah. remnants of like a castle town over on the one side, the sun over there, and then there's like, oh, there's three moons on this world. Fantasy, whatever, Why? man. Because there can be. And yeah. you know what? They all, all have the tree- different orbits. And all the trees float because reasons. Right, and their roots just... <laughs> Don't touch the ground because they're But floating. again, an but, ins- yeah. but the thing is, a, pa- a picture like that, yeah. you can absorb all of it at 
one time. Very quickly. Just, you just boom, sit there and say, whoa, that's crazy. Look at that. There's no like necessarily world building. It's like, man, that's so crazy. That castle actually look, kind of looks, I mean, if you really want to dig yeah. into it, like, that kind of looks German. Oh, the trees float. That's weird. There's three moons. That's crazy. The sun is really close. And it's like, other than that, it's like you, you pretty much can absorb colors, you can absorb yeah. imagery, and if there happens to be people there or whatever, it's like you can take in that. But again, everything mm -hmm. comes in so quick. And for the most part, it's not going to be remembered as long as something that you've read or like taken the time to invest into because it is so quick, which is fine. That's not like a dig against art or anything. It's just no, no, that's just how it's, it is. It's the nature of the it, work. Art, visual art, I would say, is more of like a shock. It's more of like yeah. a, a an awe factor of like, wow, that's so cool. Yeah, and you get a lot of information. Really yeah, cool. it's not like the factor of, man, <clears throat> well, I am invested in this story. Yeah. I cannot wait for the next one. You don't see someone saying, I can't wait for Mona Lisa 2. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see her husband. Like, <laughs> this time she frowns. Yeah, like this time she's for sure frowning yeah. or whatever. Like, you know, well, no, it's true know. because like, okay, if, if um, giving that exact example, which I'm literally pulling out of absolute thin air. Okay, yeah. so it's not like you've done a drawing like this or anything <coughs> like that. I'm just going on it because it's serving as, as examples. So if I was going to try to do that in like a written work, you'd have yeah. to sit there and you'd have to write it out in, in the form of, it's like, as I crested the hill, I saw the valley. The valley of floating trees. The, yeah, it's like, like on, the, yeah, on, on the far, um, I guess, western side, I see the setting sun. And the setting sun being much closer than it is on Earth, as that is where I'm from. You know, something to that yeah. effect where you establish I kind of want you to, the like, trees... say this all in your story voice. Oh, okay. <laughs> and then maybe, just maybe, I'll add some sound effects okay. later. Okay, so all right. If I can find some online. And as we crest the hill, <laughs> we see on the west side the sun just setting on the horizon. The mountain laying a dark deep shadow <laughs> across that of the valley which has a massive river running through it that you can see bustling with fish all the trees in the valley all the way up until the crested mountain or white crested mountain peaks are floating on seemingly air gently rotating and swaying in the breeze on the far east side can be seen Castletown where's the hour thrown in the war okay okay <laughs> a city mostly populated by the dead. Dun dun. Those few still living practice the art of necromancy. The dancing candles are those. No, it's like that which appears to be dancing candles in windowsills is actually the souls being trapped within. This the sick turn. The seemingly bright and joyous <laughs> world quickly turns to a dark plungent despair. Smoke <laughs> rises from the east as the bodies are burned. <laughs> I feel like right there I gotta play the song once the yeah. song's like, let the bodies hit the bodies. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's like, see how much more effort yes. it took for well, me to like, describe that in a story sense because you have to get all the details Not right. only that, now, you as the listener, when we described the painting, you mm -hmm. probably were like, oh, yeah, I guess that's true, whatever. But yeah. when, when Zach kicked into his movie voice <laughs> and he starts describing things dramatically, you probably started paying attention a little more. Yeah, well, also, uh, think about this. This is a detail I actually left out. It's What's like, it? what color are the leaves on the trees? Did not specify. You assumed what would green. You I actually envisioned late autumn for some reason. Really? So I, I was I thinking orange. Spring. Yeah, I was thinking like orange, late <laughs> autumn. Um, that like I was hoping that would like in my mind it was playing into the fact that there's snow on the mountain. I was thinking, oh, the mountain's not that tall. Yeah. But yeah, I was gonna try to go into more of an autumn feel. Exactly. But yeah, see again, it has to be illustrated. Mm -hmm. But it's like the thing is, if it's drawn, you'll kind of process that without even thinking about it. When it's drawn, you're not given the self creativity. <clears throat> you are only viewing the creativity of the artist. Yeah. When it is written, you're given the self-creativity of filling in the gaps because no matter how much you write, mm -hmm. or if, if you were to include every detail, I would not read it. Mm -hmm. It would be boring. Well, <laughs> if, well yeah, like, There's that. always going to be inferred information. Well, it's like um, <clears throat> Stephen King would say, because like, I, I recently read his book yeah. for On Writing, and his book, he actually says, it's like, you know, try to, you know, the details that are important to the story leave in there, but like he was saying, for example, there's a lot of writers 
Though what they do is like you get the female character that comes in. It's like, oh, she's gorgeous. Her eyes look like this. Her lips look like that. And her face and hair and stuff. It's like that's too much detail. What you do is you just say, you can actually just say it's like, imagine it's like she walks into the room and she's the most beautiful woman you've ever seen. Now, every single person on the planet, they're going to get a different idea of what that means. You're going to get a completely different idea. Yep. Now, he'll do stuff where it's like, um, because I've read in some of his books where he'll say like, oh yeah, she came in and it's like her red hair or something like that and she had the most beautiful face you can imagine it's like those were i those were again it's it's like aside from the red hair everything else is conceptual so it does come down to what you envision and that is kind of like in film where it's like the show don't tell rule it's like where they want you to kind of make up your own mind it's the same thing yes one of the most annoying things and zach will point this out too the few times that we watch films together because for whatever reason i don't really watch a whole lot of movies but we'll watch some together and it's so great because sometimes the the movie will literally just tell you what's happening. Yeah, we were watching. Uh, I still love referencing Mortal Engines. Oh man, okay. dude! This film is a film about. It's it's actually a pretty cool concept. The concept's um, not bad, and it, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So so I'm basically what, I, basically this is far <clears throat> into the future where the U.S. is really no longer prevalent. Well, it takes place in the U.K. Um, we yeah. I just wanted to point out the U.S. is not prevalent because right, right, right. I love how they reference. The they US. do actually. They do actually. Say, like the thing is, it does. It takes place in the U.K., but they do single out America as being dead as well. <laughs> it's like everyone's dead, including America. It's like, was was that was that not included in everyone? Was it an extra detail? <laughs> Appar- you, apparently, we are a subclass of other countries. Yeah, like, you're either thinking America's <laughs> more resilient than everybody else, or you're just really not liking america yeah and it's like yeah we made sure those yankee sons of guns are dead <laughs> they're very dead this time Nuke them extra hard <laughs> right but uh anyways so basically in this post-apocalyptic world mm-hmm. cities had kind of pulled together like i would say more as bandits mostly there yeah. are major world cities as well that are more governmental right but these bandit cities form together on these massive structures that are also vehicles and so think of like a tank that has a literal city on it. Yeah. And that's what they look like because they, they move on tank tracks, things like that, and they travel across the earth and they just migrate around and yeah. they literally capture other smaller tanks and then take their supplies and assimilate those people into their crew. Right. And that's that's the premise of the movie. It's literally, it does end up just straight up ripping off Star Wars. Oh, but God. That's beside the point. Well, that movie is full of so much tell, don't show. Yeah. Like the reverse of show, don't well, tell. Yeah, it, it starts <laughs> off with narration. Just narrate. It just, it. She, she just comes on there and it's like, in a world. And then just starts talking about. <laughs> it, like, it totally starts with that, like, in a world. And you're like, oh, here we go. Ed no one remembers. No one remembers <laughs> what came before. Only now the building, or it's like now all of our towns are on wheels, except for Mega City number one. In London. Well, no, then they referenced the city of the East. Oh, God, yeah. Asia. They they, they were really trying to appeal to the Chinese audience on that one. Well, it had a big big market there, I thought, in China. Uh, That one didn't do so great in China. It didn't do do so great everywhere, anywhere. It's just like in China, it was like the big letdown. It's like it's still, I think it still did better in China than anywhere else, except here's the thing. I want to just break a little bit really quick. Okay, so um, in the modern society, okay, China has really hit the civilized world pretty hard in recent years to the point where they are essentially America in like the 80s and 90s where they're all about action movies, in particular Western action movies. That's why you get movies like The Meg. If anyone's ever seen The Meg with um, Jason Statham, the main anta- uh, main protagonist, of course, is Jason Statham because he's a named character and he can do his own stunts. But yeah. the female interest is Chinese. From China, speaks Mandarin as well as English. Really good English as well. Yeah. But, like, she does the family values of China and, like, her father has, like, the whole honor and stuff. Yeah. And, and they do a lot of appeal. And the whole movie takes place in China. In China. Just like uh, Skyscraper, which is a Dwayne The Rock Johnson movie. Yeah. That movie takes place in china everybody in there it's like the main business guy who is the richest man and the smartest man in the world is chinese yeah and they made him up of course but then you got dwayne johnson and you got for some reason german bad guys and so i guess because again it wasn't die hard enough 
So basically yeah. they wanted to make Chinese Die Hard and then they wanted to make Chinese Jaws and now with uh, Me- with Mortal Engines it is Chinese, Chinese Star, Star Wars. Wars yeah. Because they literally I'm going to ruin the movie right now. It's not a good movie. Quick quick spoiler alert. Don't worry, you won't care, you won't watch it. It's if you not, watch it, if you liked it, cool. Yeah, it, I mean, I will say the awesome, special effects were awesome. Yes, some of the set pieces, the costume design. Yeah, were and great. they made a lot of stuff and then, too. Uh, what's the name of the bounty hunter robot guy? Oh, oh, he's German. There's like this really cool bounty hunter. Oh my robot god, guy. he's the literally the him. coolest character on the on the whole Sheik. movie. No, I don't Shrike. know. Shrike, Shrike, Shrike. <laughs> you were so close. Shrike is the coolest guy. Just imagine, like, you combine basically Agent Smith with the Terminator. <laughs> yeah. Okay? It's and really cool. He just, he's just there. And he's this unstoppable force. He was hardcore. Went out like a punk. Like a baby <laughs> punk. But everything up until then was sick. Yeah. Uh, and then they did, but the thing is, they went full Star Wars where it's like, all right, you got, of course, um, the main uh, protagonist, yeah. she's raised by someone that's not her parents, doesn't know where she belongs. Then she goes on this big flight quest where it's like she gets picked up by this. There's like smugglers and mm-hmm. the really cool Asian and the kind of yeah. Chewbacca. So, real quick. So I like this. Um, <laughs> oh, God, this scene is so cringy. This scene is so cringy. Here, should, should we do it dramatic or should we just say I don't say know. It? I feel like we should do it dramatic so that our viewer, our listeners. Should I set the scene then? Set the scene right. so that they could be as equally disappointed as us okay sorry guys we're gonna ruin your day all right <laughs> so basically it's like this so you got the main protagonist and her and her hapless friend i don't know yeah friend it, but it turns into of, a love interest yeah just the guy he's the guy so yeah, he's the he's guy well, anyways the guy. so you got the guy and you got the main chick who really doesn't do much in this story no she's just no, really there not. her distinguishing feature is a troubled past and a scar that's it. <laughs> That's it, right? They I mean, zoom in on that scar they, a lot. Yeah, too. they keep doing that. Like, okay, it's like close up. Beginning on of the movie. Scar. Beginning of the movie, she has a scarf over the scar, right? Yeah. As soon as the scarf comes off the first time, it Boom. never <laughs> goes back on. So it's like the rest of the time they're going like, "Are you that one chick?" No kidding. That's why she covered up the scar was so you wouldn't recognize her. Then she just says, "You know what? Screw it. Everyone knows who I am." And the, people keep getting surprised. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, like, so they, um, so she and the guy get captured because I don't remember any of their names, even though they freaking repeated her name thirty times. Shrike every time he turned a corner, you and she would say her first and last name, and I don't remember it, which was fitting for Shrike. That's it so, actually was kind of yeah, good it was because he was robotic. Also, he was played by the guy that played the bad guy in Avatar. Just a little heads up. Oh yeah, pretty cool, right? Yeah, I just I found that out on the bonus feature <laughs> or on like a like a special features thing I saw on HBO. That's cool. So, anyways, so anyways, the guy and the girl get captured by these people that saved them from one threat and then put them in prison and they say, "Oh, you're going to be auctioned off." Yeah, so they go to this it's place. It's a human auctioneer where they do like this auction. They sold them to the auction. The auctioneer guy, guy's getting up there and he's got like a suit made of buttons. Yeah, that was, was an interesting was, design choice, it was, but whatever. It was kind of cool. It looked nice, but at the same time, why Very would you take the effort? Why would Very you take the effort? So anyways, they get up there and uh, they start doing the um, the auction, right? And yeah. so you get people that are bidding like, oh, yeah. I'll bet you. It's 10. Like, here's it's 10. Good goal, yeah, it's like, no, here, it's like, here's here's $500 or whatever the thing is. Like 500. Oh, here's a, uh, well, a, a the, thousand. Here's what do they use? They use caps, gold. Oh God! I know we're I thinking remember. Fallout. And yeah, stuff. we'll just say dollars for now. Just we'll to use dollars that way you can understand the stupid. The, yeah, the actual value. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, you get like someone says like, "Oh, I'll give you fifty bucks." Another yeah. person says, "I'll give you like a hundred. I'll give you like five hundred. Yeah. Okay. And then you want to continue and finish the rest well, of this. Well, this is well, this is all just for like normal people. We're going through like, okay, the first guy. It's just a bunch of no name characters that we haven't yeah, seen yeah, before yeah, right, that right, right. are just slaves or whatever. Yeah, and you don't even getting... they don't even show the people. You see a hand go up. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, we'll give fifty bucks. We'll give a hundred bucks, and it like progressively gets a little higher, and eventually yeah. you get someone's like, "I'll give five hundred. And you're like, "Ooh, okay, okay." And then we get to our protagonist the main character she gets up there and did they recognize no, no they've already are they've already been auctioning for these guys well no, no I, like i'm just saying like up until they got to them the price like the max price everything was like 500 you know okay like, yeah it was yeah. just like relatively okay I, I got you now and then we get to her and it does the same thing it's like 50 you know 100 uh 250 and it's like i'll give 
you know, 500, something reasonable. Like, that's a high price. And then yeah, they're next like, oh, man, know. that's crazy. And they, yeah, they, when he is, because I remember them saying like 500 or 1,000. They're like, yeah. oh, wow, that's a pretty yeah, good they, price. They get to like a really yeah. high price that for the most part isn't going to be beat. And if yeah, anyone yeah. beats it, like, that's it. Like, it's it's done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then enters the, the just the Asian. Cool lady. Asian, which we did not know was a chick until like 30 minutes later. You really later. couldn't tell because like the costume <laughs> the she had was. were bad. She had yeah. short hair. And it was glasses on. Also, she had a pretty like sharp facial I'm not going to lie. She looked like a dude. <laughs> so it was like kind of hard to tell. Uh, yeah. But anyways. Not, not to be rude. But <laughs> so anyways. Yeah. You just hear. And she just steps out of her little thing or whatever. Five thousand dollars. Yeah. And you're like. Something astronomically, like, multiple times more than anybody else. And a hush falls over the crowd as this astonishing price has been named. And you actually haven't seen her yet. The camera yeah, actually you, you does this real <laughs> slow pan back to her. And as it does, you every, hear... Yeah, the music <laughs> swells. Now, here's the thing. Everyone See, else... Now, everyone else is wearing earthen tones. They're wearing, like, raggy clothes. Yeah. They turn to her. She's wearing... Bright, bright red and it's brand new clothes she's got slick agent smith sunglasses on no one else has sunglasses this is the post-apocalypse no one has sunglasses also, there so they wear goggles and stuff and so they twist around they make this huge show of this asian chick like turn around and then i don't even know if she took off the glasses did she take off no. the glasses? no she just she turns does. and she, she just, just like look just glares <laughs> at the stage in a really like intense way and the thing is michael and i both looked and we're like who? <laughs> they make this what? huge show of showing this person, and it's supposed to, it felt like it's supposed to be like, <gasps> Frodo's back, you know, something where yeah, it's like this known it's character. Yeah, Gandalf like, in Lord of the Rings. Awesome. No, it was just like, oh, new character. They no, have a lot of money. Never established. Did not establish any fighting progress, any motivation, anything up until this point. We don't know anything about them. We just know that now that they have a lot of money and, and nice clothes. And also, and then because of that, because of the big, the big dip in price, or the jump in it, the guy's like, well, they're really worth that much. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep her. Yeah. The the Asian goes like or no no she was you know well, he was like I'm gonna keep her unless you double it or something like that and so she goes like all right no and pulls out machine guns and starts killing people yeah and at one point they everybody she has like a bounty or something he's yeah, like something you're worth crazy. more than her I'll just capture you but again that is it's like weird. the Han Solo character and the thing was I guess they were trying to be like uh, politically correct by doing like a female version sorry if any of that was confusing it probably all really was confusing but just here's the thing know that it was equally as confusing even if you watched it yeah because again it was a character that was unestablished and they made this huge thing and then they actually had the guy who played Hugo Weaving who actually played Agent Smith and played Elrond in Lord of the Rings, he was the main bad guy in this. And yeah. never once, like, they, they tried playing off the fact that he's the bad guy. It's like, oh, man, Valentine, he might be a good guy. They're showing propaganda of him and everything. It's like, this is literally every textbook excuse for, this is the worst man that's ever existed since Hitler. So why are you, it's like, why are you trying to pretend like he's anything but? Because then also when it turns out he's bad, they do the music thing, the slow motion yeah. camera. It's like, Wait, were we supposed to be surprised? I, he literally tried to kill the secondary character, the dude, the kid. Yeah, well, that yeah. was the moment where they did the whole slow down and everything. He's like, uh, pushes him off a ledge yeah. into a garbage chute that just kind of poops him out on the ground. And then yeah. he's completely fine. Like, he literally lives, for the most part, with just only bruises. Maybe a few scratches. Maybe even that. I thought that was really kind of dumb. I was like... So There's is that a lot of really dumb things. Like, is that what you're doing if you're trash? But <laughs> just, just yeah, pooping it out. <laughs> it is. It just poops out on the road. Now, here's another thing that they never really do in the movie. Now, this is, again, talking about the stories. Mm -hmm. um, because we're, I'm going to try to reel uh, back a little bit. We're, we're going back so, to creativity in movies. And right. Well, in this movie, they also, they, um, there's a lot of things they don't explain. So yeah. they do create another Death Star in this movie because, of course, they just want Star Wars. They do the whole last few fighters going against the Death Star and most of them get shot down but the, the good guys are fine. Succeeds. Han Solo still lives or whatever and then um, you're fine. Comes back at the last minute and saves him. But also yeah. they don't they never explain one massive huge ridiculous plot point. Which Why one? on earth do the cities move? They Sure, the world exploded 
And yeah, it got to the point where things were irradiated and stuff or whatever it was. Because it's not an actual nuke. They, they, they came yeah. up with a new type of explosion that like blows up tachyons or something like that. But again, yeah, so if the residual problem with that is that it leaves like residue or something and nukes everybody, it's like, why wouldn't the cities just spring up someplace else instead of getting onto giant tank treads, like you were saying, and roaming around everywhere? Why do that? Why even bother making it so everybody has to move in cities, expediate fuel, because they make that a big deal, is that yeah. fuel is constantly on the, you know, on the, the radar. Low. Yeah, and they also, they explain that salt somehow. It's like they, they, they value salt above everything, but they never explain, do the engines run on salt? Yes, because they never actually they, tell they, you. All they do is in the beginning, they're like, there they are, look, it's a salt mining vessel. We have to catch it. And so they make a huge big deal in the opening scene to catch the salt ship. And the thing is, they even dump their salt. Like, remember that? They're yeah. like, dump the cargo or we're not going to get away. They dump the cargo and then they still capture them anyways. And they're like, oh, we still got their salt. And it's like, so does the ship, do they run on salt? Does they it must. run on coal? Does it burn people? I don't understand what the fuel is. I don't understand what the motivation is. Also, they never really establish food sources. Yeah. They just kind of establish that, oh, yeah, they just loot food from like, the people they capture. It's like, well, where they get it? <laughs> you can't just have this circle of looting and it only goes so far. Yeah, it, it just, <laughs> it, it, they, they were that trying to do but they never showed that. They never even told that. They left that, that those complete, those details completely out. Yeah. See, on some movies, you don't really question it, okay? Um, the, like, okay, the movie Avatar, right? Yeah. The movie Avatar, one thing they really do is they say, unobtainium is worth a ton of money. They do not tell you why. Yeah. Is it some type of alloy that's like, I don't know, lighter and stronger than titanium? And, and to is be it fair, a fuel source? Is it irradiated? What does it do? All we know is it's very hard to obtain. Therefore, unobtainium. It's such an original name. And to be completely fair, it works. Because it's not something that we really need to know yeah, it's why not it's valuable. Plot. All that matters is that you want it. It could have been gold. Yeah. All it needed was that was that was the MacGuffin. Uh, not really a MacGuffin, because a MacGuffin is like a thing that you're chasing after. Yeah. This was just motivation for basically corporate greed. Yeah. Like in Mortal Engines, it is relevant to know how they get food or to know yeah. why they're moving. Because, because the entire that's the motivation of the movie. movie takes place there. Doing that. And they constantly bring up we don't have enough food. We don't have enough energy. Yes. But they're like, not telling us where their sources are anyways. It, that's like if if in Avatar, if they constantly brought up like, we need to sell this. We need to sell this. We need to sell this to this The bank. Yeah, we're going to go bankrupt. This. Yeah, like then it's no. like, okay, it becomes prevalent. It's like, okay, well, what is it actually doing? Like, yeah. Okay, why why is this so important? No, yeah. they're just like, look, this is something that has high value. These people are going to mine it because it has value. Yeah. That's why. That's all you need to know. <laughs> also, this is another plot device that I don't like, and I already brought it up. The MacGuffin? I don't like the MacGuffin. A MacGuffin is I've never heard of that until you just a said A MacGuffin it, is basically, okay. Um, remember in Immortal Engines, she had the 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 flash drive chip thing that yeah. was the shutdown index? That's a MacGuffin. <laughs> a MacGuffin. Don't a even MacGuffin get me started on just that means scene. Basically, yeah. No, that was, yeah. So basically, if I'm like, all right, I'm holding the bottle of water. She just knows the passwords, too. She did. Just instantly, it's like, oh, let me just hack the system. Apparently, I got it. Yeah, no one ever thought, oh, let's just change the passwords on this massive weapon that I spent 20 years <laughs> gathering. Yeah. So a MacGuffin is basically like, all right, I got this water bottle, right? So this this water bottle is the MacGuffin. Basically, the entire plot of the foreseeable future is based around someone who holds this or yeah. controls this bottle of water. So anytime, like there will always be the inevitable, oh no, I dropped it and it's at the edge of a cliff. Oh, but the other guy won't let me grab it. Oh, I wonder if it's going to fall off and ruin the movie. It will not because it's a MacGuffin. MacGuffins always, always, always make Make their way to where they need to go. The whole deal with tension is that you're not sure. So if a movie does it correctly, you don't know if the MacGuffin is actually going to be caught because it becomes an object, it becomes almost like its own character, rather than just a cheap plot motivator. Like the ring in Order to Rings? Would that be That kind of is a character. The, yeah. the ring, because the thing was, the ring was always going back to Mordor. The thing was, it was whether or not it was going to go back to the tower or if it was going to go to the, the, volcano, the volcano to get destroyed. So it's like the tension came from when, when they Which got there. Yeah. And then when you got there, there were so many things that kind of like caught it. And you were just, you still had the tension of, oh my God, oh my God, this could happen. This could go bad. This could go wrong. Yeah. And like, that's one of the things that I love about Lord of the Rings more than like Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones did the political, the political side very well. The characters were amazing, but it will never have 
that same feeling as far as the plot goes, of the yeah. purpose goes, that Lord of the Rings did. Of course, Lord of the Rings is based off of Tolkien's beliefs in the Bible and in Christianity. It's all throughout the Samarillion, if you ever look at that. Um, that was actually finished by his, his son. But mm. the whole thing was, it was like the, the ring represented sin. And so because of that, the ring had a profound yet different effect on everyone that picked it up. Yeah, it made it very unique. Yeah, and so that was one of the things with like, because it brought out something in them. Like Gollum, when you saw him when he was like the flashback and they showed Smeagol catching it for the first time, the moment he laid eyes on it, he didn't actually have it. It was this friend that had the ring and he saw it and it immediately corrupted him. Frodo, he picked up the ring, threw around his hand a little bit, and he was about to hand it back to Gandalf. Oh, is this someone else's? And it's like, it didn't affect him at all because, again, he represents innocence. But, yeah. And then um, you get other people where, like, uh, was the Elven Queen? She looked at it, and she saw the potential power that it would bring to her. Everybody had a different reaction to it because everybody sees and everybody has a different sin. So there was a different type of purpose and a plan with mm-hmm. that plot device because the whole movie was based around the ring. And that was... Just brilliant storytelling, and that's why it took him 40 years to come out with yeah. those three books, because there was so much built into it. Yeah. That's why nothing will ever top it. Granted, I mean, um, what, George R.R. R. Martin, I think it took him like 20 or 30 years to write uh, Game of Thrones. It's up there. Really? He's definitely up wow. there. But it's like what he was doing was all he was trying to do was subvert expectations. That was the point in it. That was his mm-hmm. old plot, or the that was his, yeah, that was purpose. It was all subverting expectations. So he did a fantastic job. That's why most of the time it's the worst possible scenario going out, but it always comes with a slight twist. Yeah. Or, it kind of keeps you coming yeah, back as well. Exactly. And so even though like you know, a lot of your favorite characters are going to die, it's usually they're replaced by just as likable characters. Hmm. And that's one of those things that is great about Lord of the Rings, great about uh, Game of Thrones, is character really comes down to it. Now in a painting, when you're doing like a character... All you can do is you can show an action they're doing because it's yep. a still frame. You only get so, to see that moment in time. Now, I will say most people that draw a painting, myself included, there yeah. is normally a story behind the scene that they're painting. Right. Um, like, for example, I'm working on a piece of one of my D&D characters, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's a paladin who's swinging his sword, or, or his battle axe, which his battle axe literally is also like a wolf at yeah. the same time. It's like an ice wolf. <laughs> and so as it swings, now, it bites. See, in my head, in my, now the thing in my head, two images actually pop up. One is where there's a wolf's head, like mounted to the top of it, like it's made of iron and stuff. The other one is an actual just iron wolf, just like <laughs> standing with its legs outstretched, just attached to the end of a pole, and you're swinging that around. <laughs> so there's one of two images. I'm like, I'm not sure which way to go. Right. But no, it's, it's more of like the wolf, is, it's like a 2D wolf kind of idea. It's just built into the blade. Oh, okay, okay. But so it's, it's like it's carved onto the the, the axe. Yeah, okay. but <laughs> nonetheless, the shape of the wolf's yeah. head. Like you get this scene, uh, and there's a story behind it. There's a story of who he's attacking, right. and there's a story of who he is. There's a story of where he's at. It all goes into my character's backstory, and it's actually my token piece for Roll Twenty because you nice. get, you you make like a little profile picture. I paint mine. I don't steal them offline. I paint them because I can. Oh, you cheater! <laughs> <laughs> but there is a story, it's just when you look at it, when you see the piece, you're just thinking like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Looks like it's uh, a knight, and I'm like, it's yeah. paladin, but you know, yeah, that, that no. works too. A knight that's, the, that's, that's always the thing that's really cool about this. Um, but with written, you can oh, give man. that backstory and then bring the scene out. That's true. For me, I just immediately plunge you into the scene so you're mm-hmm. right where the action is. That is always the difficult part. Because there's that's another thing with um, with writing. Like I see a lot of people, they're really good at like, like making uh, the kinda, battle scene, but yeah. not making the journey there. Not making it make sense. All right. Now, when I was younger, when I was little, okay, and I would always play with my Legos or with my toys or whatever, my action figures, because they're not just dolls. Not I like always them. had clay, and I would make yeah. little clay models. <laughs> I had, and I liked that, but, and I would take aluminum foil and make them armor and swords and stuff. <laughs> and that way, when I, like, cut them, I could like, just rip off their yeah. arm. I, that's why I got <laughs> into clay eventually, but I loved 
the action figures because it was almost like I didn't have to focus on making like or keep maintaining That's the character. True. So what I would do was I would take like G.I. Joe's with Legos or whatever. And the thing was, I would have the idea for the scene. I'm like, oh my God, what I want to do is I want to make Legos, but it's like everything's like ruins and there's little pieces of it. It's like, oh, they're Viking Legos over here. Because if you think about the Lego movie, yeah. where it's like everything's kind of mishmashed together towards the end, it's like that's kind of how I always had my Legos. So it's like, yeah, all the Vikings are hanging out together because they like each other. Got a bunch of dwarves because they did a Lord of the Rings set. And so I got a few of those. But they're all still in the same And they're, they're together, but it's like they're intermingling with the others. So it's like, oh, man, these guys crashing this, crashing that, crashing this, crashing that. And it's like, so what I've got? And then I've got the Bionicles rolling Dude, in. Bionicles? So, those were always the elites for me. Yeah. Those were the guys that were like the indestructible, the boss monsters. I, I had them as the bad guys Yeah, so they were often. always bad guys. And it's because the Lego men, I just like the idea of little Lego men just fighting and fending off these giant mechanical monsters. And so, but the thing was, I would set up the idea for it, but I would always get caught up building the story. Every yeah. time I'd go to play, I'd be like, I'm setting up the ruins, I'm building this whole thing, because this, oh, this is going to look so cool. But then I'd like sit there and I'd stop, I'd be, I'd be done setting everything up. I'm like, oh man, you know what would be really cool is, yeah, what if this guy is actually working for the Bionicle? Oh, what if this guy knows he is and decides that he's going to hold that at ransom and blackmail him into helping him help him get out of there because the Bionicles are coming in. And so I'd have like all this extra setups to it. And I'd have the Bionicles have their own like hierarchy of who's in charge. Yeah. And you, I would build all that stuff and then eventually I'd just forget to do the battle. Yeah. That was me in freaking high school and like middle school and stuff where it's like I shouldn't, I was just kind of... I, that was my or early days of storytelling was just coming up with the backstory for my fight scenes yeah. and then I just wouldn't do it because I'd be bored by that point because it's like, oh, it took so much time just to get there. And so I get a lot, I see a lot of writers that know where they want to go and they'll either hit there right immediately and there's not enough story leading into it or they'll start leading towards it, forget where they were going and then just kind of end it. Yeah. For me, I always was, I'm sure it's evident too when we play D&D that my, my preferred play style is yeah. towards role-playing yeah. rather than it is the technical side of it. You love the characters. It was the same thing when I was playing with like clay figurines and everything. I didn't necessarily so much develop the story as much as I developed the characters. Yeah. Like, I would make an entire backstory for each character. He has, you know, he's 26 years old, he's married, he has a kid. Uh, <laughs> like, this yeah, is yeah, his personality. Yeah, yeah. This is, like, what he does. This is his favorite color. Which, just, by, by the way, never, if you're ever going to write or do anything D&D, &D, yeah. never say, oh, he's the assertive one. Or say, like, this guy's the leader or the jerk or the funny guy. Just do it. Make them be that character. Have yeah. it written in your own head. Just don't tell people that. I always hate that in stories. Like they'll do like um like um do you know of Stand By Me? You've heard of that? No. It's a Stephen King book that got turned into a movie, but it's basically like it's kind of like the basic setup for like a teenage movie where it's like um, all the kids are from different walks of life, but they all are going towards, you know, they're all friends for some reason. Yeah. Now the thing is in Stand By Me, you had the smart one, the sarcastic one, the funny one, and you had, you know, stuff like that. So you had all in the cool one. Yeah. And, but the thing was, how Stephen King wrote it was, they just were, were. the personification of those characters. They, what I see all the time, especially when I'm reading, like, creepypastas and something, because it's amateur. It's made by amateurs. It's not meant to be professional. But one thing that always bugged me was, they, like, the person would say, it's like, Hi, my name is this, and this is my group of friends. You have Alex, the smart one. He always gets good grades and has glasses. You have Max, who is the fat one. He likes to eat a lot and is lazy. And then you have... Daryl, who is the black one, because the name sounds like it. And so they just generalize. Yeah. But the thing is, they tell you up front exactly what the characters are going to be. So you don't have to read into them. You just read about them. And then you just they put them in the, in the story. Sure, it does save space, but it ruins immersion because they no longer become real characters. Mm. You know, and then if they do anything that's outside of the realm of, well, that wasn't very funny. The funny guy shouldn't be something saying anything that's not funny. Then you feel like there's something wrong, and it just ruins the, the yeah, narrative. You basically typecast that character for the rest of the story to yeah. be, and so they, they that. can't have like an arc. I thought Divergent did a pretty good job with that because the way they did it was you, you literally. Are you talking about the books? Or are you talking about the movies? The books. Because I um, I didn't watch all the movies, and well, I did not 
read the books. Uh, in the books, I hated the movies. It was funny. So. Like they, I think they handled that well. Yeah. Because based on what you were, it was where you'd be. Yeah. Because they had like the different um, That's such sectors. A teenage story, isn't it? It's always it is. about like the segregation. There's something yeah. special about the main character for some inexplicable reason. Even though they're shy, they're still brave on the inside. Everyone right. who reads books thinks they're that person. Actually, I always consider myself more of Caleb, which turns out to be one of the bad guys I in the know. end. <laughs> kind of a twist, but not really. And I was like, dang it. <laughs> All right. Because <laughs> I chose it before I knew it was a bad yeah. guy. Yeah. But anyways... Basically, it was like if you are like the jock or whatever, you end yeah. up being dauntless. Like you just end up being in that crowd of people. I've only seen the first one, and um, so this is making more. I'm I'm remembering things yeah. as you're saying it. But it was funny because the way they do their test or whatever, they like have you just do a bunch of stuff. Like you go through like the simulator, and then how you respond to it, you just go to that area. And I kind of like that because it made it kind of handled that problem without yeah. having to handle that problem. I guess so. so. The writer could write. Like without, not yeah. that it was poorly well, written. I, I guess it would. They didn't be, need to try because it was like, oh, you're indomitable, so I guess you're just gonna be like that. You're cool. just a douchebag. Well, I guess Basically. what it would do is it would it, it would kind of what it would do. Honestly, if you're if you're a good writer, because again, I haven't read the books. I've only seen the movies, and I didn't like them. Well, I only yeah. read the I only watched the first movie. Didn't yeah. like it. Yeah, I didn't really care for it either. Um, I thought so, the book was pretty good. Um, in if you're a good writer, you can actually use that to a serious advantage. Where it's like, all right, you are in. Well, the only one you said was Dauntless. Dauntless. So it's like, Dauntless. So that means you're a, a douchebag, frontman type hype guy. Woo! Because that's what they were in the movie. Yeah. And then um, the thing is, then you have the option of taking characters in there and breaking the mold. Making them so they're still aggressive or really prideful. They did. Or he was this murdered. or this or that. <laughs> and then you make it so they have other things oh, yeah. about them that deviate from the standard. So it's exactly. like, okay, I can see why you're in there, but hey, that's a that's an interesting side note to your character instead of just, yo, everyone's yeah. Kyle's in here. <laughs> <laughs> All the Kyle's. Um, but yeah, they actually did. They That's how they did that. So it was funny because the first time they did that in the book, yeah. the character got killed. Literally, they stabbed him. <laughs> All right. For being different. <laughs> Why are you different? You make me feel bad Again, about not being different, Stab. Super teenage angsty right Very there. Very teenage. You're different? I'm going to stab you. <laughs> you don't like me, stab me. But, yeah, I mean, creativity is... Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll get... Well, yeah, we'll jump back. We're, we're going to try to wrap this up real quick, but... Yeah, we'll, we'll end our discussion of creativity. I think, really, when it comes down to it, the, art, the visual side of creativity is more of a snapshot. It's more, yeah. if you will... Inward, I guess you would say. It's more for yourself yeah. than it would be for others, but it's not as as drawn out as like a, a drawn written. out. Ah, that's uh, funny, yeah, good choice. But uh, it's, it's drawn out as well, like a written. I'll, I'll add something else to it because you, you did mention something right before we went on the whole movie thing, yeah. which was um, letting people see your work. Yeah. See, um, um, when you are doing something that is like drawn or an image, like I, like I was saying, like, it's like, it is just an image and you could just see it. And most people, people can go, get oh, in the cool. It's like, wow, that looks really good. Or you can good. say, what do you like about it? Or they can say, it's like, oh, I really like how you drew, um, I guess getting back to my example. It's like, I, yeah. I really like how you did the shadow from the sun peaking from the mountain. Right. It's like, so the yeah. shadow looks really cool and it just happens to halfway cover the by, castle. By the way, side point as an artist, just mentioning shadow does not make you sound like you understand the piece. Yeah. If anything, it makes me realize that you have no idea what you're looking at right. and you are just trying to be nice. I appreciate the effort okay. and I will say thanks. Wow, yeah, I put a lot of time into that shadow. Well, fine then. Take that. If you really want to show them that you're actually observing the piece, mention the light. Because lighting is a lot harder to do than shadow. Shadows are actually very easy. The hard thing is the lighting. Lighting is very, very difficult because lighting is, it changes right. very, very much. Well, um, on the, on another note, Sorry. which was, no, it's all good. It's all good. Um, cause like, like we were trying to, wrap yeah, up, but it was like, okay, to... Stephen King actually said something else in on writing, which was you do your first draft with the door closed. Okay. When it comes like writing or I guess with even drawing, it's yeah. like, I guess you could do the line work, right? The line work. I don't show you. And so it's like you do the first draft of it with the door closed. It's for you. When you're doing writing, what you're doing is you're actually just, he says, just to get the story on the paper. 
It doesn't have to be perfect, and in fact, it shouldn't be because you're going to have different feelings about your story in the beginning when you start and you get all the ideas versus when you're at the end and mm -hmm. there are some ideas still left over that you didn't use and when you had to conclude all the stuff you built up towards. So it's like when you get from the beginning to the end, you're going to have different idea of how the story is supposed to feel. Like if you have a story and it ends and all you can remember is like, oh yeah, it ends so triumphantly, but the beginning of it, it's like, wow, there's no build towards that victory. Yeah. So it's like, then you're gonna have to redo it. So what he says is the first draft needs to be with the door closed. No one else reads it. And then he actually says something which is interesting. Finish it as soon as possible and then hide it away. Don't review it. Don't look at it yourself. Don't even go back for punctuation. Hide it away from even yourself. Don't let anyone read it. Then move on to something else. And when you have completely forgotten about that story, go back and reread it. Because it'll still be your words, but you will have fresh eyes. You'll have a fresh mindset, and you'll have completely forgotten what that scene was supposed to be, and you will then see it for what it is. So it's like, oh, the ending is supposed to be triumphant. And you read it, it's like, why was it so funny? Shouldn't be funny. And so then yeah. you go to rework it and fix it to where you thought it was going to be. Because you're only going to remember it in that distant feel. The second draft is where you fix everything. You try to do punctuation and, and grammar as best you can. And then you give it to someone else to read. That is actually something else he said, which was have your ideal reader, which is the person you are writing it for the person you would want to be the first one to read it. That is your ideal reader. For him, it's his wife. So it's like, it's interesting to think about the person you think would have the best opinion of what you're writing. You'd probably be my ideal reader. Oh, really? Not gonna lie, yeah. Because the thing is, I would look at, uh, sometimes I'll do, I'll, I'll look at that and I'll be like, yeah, Michael think that's pretty boring. That character sucks. And so it's like, yeah, because honestly, you're, you've got that opinion that I know you're going to be honest with me and not just right. be someone that just like, oh yeah, I'm just making you feel good. Or just saying the shadows look nice. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Oh, and just, we'll go ahead, we'll end it here. And yeah. I'm just going to add one more piece of advice. What's that? Don't look at someone drawing something. Stop. Stare at them for me. Go, that's cool. It's actually really annoying. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, it does two things. One, it breaks your concentration flow to have someone oh, okay. stand even over like you for a minute. While you're writing? While you're doing yeah, it? Yeah, or even while you're writing, too. No, I would doubt it. It would be even weird if you're writing because that means they're reading it. Yes, but, I've had that before. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so uncomfortable. But if you see someone drawing, you can look. Just, like, don't, like, don't just stand there and go, oh, that's cool. And, and please... Do not try to guess what they're drawing when they first started. It is <laughs> you've it drawn is, two lines. Whoa, is that Captain America? Yeah, it's a dragon. <laughs> or like, if you don't know what it is, just don't even guess. It's not for you. It it's it's not funny. It's yeah. not fun. And I don't even take it as a kind gesture when yeah. people are like, "Oh, is that like what are you drawing? Like Captain America?" Right. No, actually, Tim. Or so, I'm sorry, Karen. This is not. You can't see a manager. And no, yeah. this is not Captain America. All right, your four year old kid can deal with it. This is a dragon that would rip him apart. <laughs> and he belongs to the floating forest next to the castle, <laughs> where they practice necromancy. <laughs> they practice necromancy. So if you have a create, if you know someone that's a creative type. Just honestly, wait for share them. Share the show with them. Well, wait for, okay, I meant just wait for them to share it with you because that yeah. means it's ready. That means exactly. they are ready for your opinion. If someone has something to themselves, they don't want your opinion. If they haven't shown it to you, it's because they don't want you to tell them your opinion. And if you are an artist or a writer or somebody that does something creatively, you should Honestly, try to get your work to the point where you can have someone look it over. Yeah. Because um, it honestly, the feedback is what's amazing. When mm -hmm. you just write for yourself, yeah, you'll be entertained, but there's a chance that no one else will. Exactly. We encourage you to do work for yourself because that I would say work like doing a creative piece for yourself is in many senses much more satisfying. But go out there and try to make something that other people can enjoy too. Because life's a lot better together. So. True that. True that. With that, we're signing out. My name is Michael, and this is Zach. And <laughs> I almost said we are, but and this was <laughs> the Derail Podcast. Play the outro. If we have one, <laughs> that was it.